Hey there, this is It's All Good, a Block Club Chicago podcast, and I'm your host, John Hansen, and this is episode 73. When you think of community leaders or influencers in your neighborhood, we often think about pastors or the older person or community activists, which of course isn't wrong, uh, but we often miss or overlook everyday Chicagoans who are doing extraordinary things. In the mid-1980s, the term population health just wasn't around, right? Hospitals were places you went to for immediate care. You hopefully got better, and then they sent you on your way. And a good example of this is how hospitals handled teen pregnancy. The standard response back then when a teen walked into a hospital that was pregnant was a referral to an OBGYN. No real discussion about the teen's readiness for the baby, what the family dynamics were going to be for a successful pregnancy, and Is the mom ready for the baby to come home? What happens next for the parents? There was no chatter about that. Mount Sinai Hospital in Douglas Park was no different at the time. And that's until Deborah Wesley showed up. She arrived in 1987 and has been there ever since, building an incredible community outreach network that covers so many areas of health and wellness. And when I say she showed up at Sinai in 1987, actually, it was much earlier than that because she was born there. Yeah. And don't ask me how long ago. <laughs> and been a part of the community ever since. And I was raised uh, during my early years in uh, just down the street from from Sinai. My background is social work. So my perspective of the world is through the lens of the community. And I've tried to always say to the people that I work with that you're the most important person in in the room and just have their undivided attention and that I'm using my listening ears and that I'm not the one to tell them what their life needs to look like. I'm the one to give them an opportunity to talk about how's it going And what would you like to see different? And then how can I help you get to that point? Her approach in all of the programs that she started, more on those in a moment, is to dig deeper than what just a doctor may see when a patient walks in. What's the cut that we're trying to see? Is is it the wound that you see or is the wound that you don't see? And what are those issues that might be going on in their life that from the pure clinical point of view, we're not touching. Deborah started with teen pregnancy in the community. She wrote a grant proposal to the state and got funding to provide case managers to 150 young women to help reduce the rate of infant mortality. And case managers were involved. They were there in the delivery room. They were helping mothers who really never saw that level of support. But when you see 11, 12 year old coming in pregnant, yes, absolutely. We want to make sure that, that, that there's a healthy birth. But I think we should be asking other questions. What's going on? What is going on? It's what's now known as social determinants of health. I didn't know that term. I just said, you know, I'm like, oh, they, they, now they tell me what I was doing. But I was really looking at those other issues that impact one's quality of life from prenatally all the way to our seniors. I asked Deborah where this kind of passion comes from, right, for the community. And I wasn't surprised at all to find out that her roots are strongly entrenched in community growth. Most folks know I'm a preacher's kid. So I was born, you know, I went to church in, in the area. Yeah, it was it five generations of preachers, but I'm not in the front of the pulpit. So maybe the work that I do is just an expression of, of what was put in me by my ancestors and my father in particular. 
I thought that we needed to do more. And so uh, because we don't charge our, our clients, if you will, our community members, any fees to use our services, I said, well, how do I wrap my arms around this young mom and the father and the baby and really un- help them understand or be prepared to really live their dream of this child, you know, that is welcome to the world, those kinds of things. And how do we deal with these early pregnancies that really we need to address it, you know? And look, it all sounds well and good, but in the late 80s and early 90s, this was not a common mindset of a hospital. Many of the places that we went to to seek funding to do the work said that's not the role of a hospital. Your role is to treat the people when they come in, provide the medical care. I pushed back on that. So that's when I went to the board and I said, is there a way in which we can create our own separate health and human service organization where our focus is really hyper community? That I'm, I'm connected to the health system, to the hospital, because, I mean, the beauty is when I walk in the room, I'm walking in not only about who you are, but I'm bringing a whole host of resources to the table, and I'm helping to just cut to the chase in terms of what you need. So Sinai Community Institute was born in 1993. It is and always has been a bridge between the hospital and the community, and Deborah has always been and still is at the helm. And program after program after program, dozens of programs started, family after family, hundreds and thousands of families impacted by Deborah and her team's work. I asked Deborah if seeing individuals grow through the program is that motivating factor that keeps her going. It really does. And it's amazing because, you know, it's like if you can touch one person, this is really what it's about. And you never know the power of someone saying, I'm proud of you. If we could say that to so many of our young people, that I'm proud of you, that just gives you more inspiration to live your dream, you know? And seriously, asking Deborah to describe the programs that she's led, it almost makes you exhausted to hear about how many there are. One of the programs I'm most, uh, it's called the Parenting Institute. It's a school for parents. And that's because I don't know what parenting class you can take for five weeks and walk out and say, I know everything about being a parent. My kids are grown, but I'm still parenting in a different way. So the Parenting Institute is a school for parents. It takes six months to complete, but it really is about who you are and helping parents understand that they oftentimes, our parents, good or bad or indifferent, did the best and have done the best for them, but they often are carrying knowledge or lack thereof around how to parent, some of it being good stuff and other things like, you should never do that again, ever, ever, ever. We're educating multi-generations. So oftentimes we had, we've had we had like a 20-year-old who's in the class, but then they bring their mom in or their father in because they're like, hey, you need to listen to this. This wasn't a good thing. And, and connecting the dots. And these programs go well beyond parents and kids now, right? They touch people of every age and every background, every mental state of what people are going through in the Douglas Park neighborhood and the areas surrounding the neighborhood. So we have a 24-7 operation where we respond to any calls that come into the state or the city or directly to us where there is suspicion of our, our population not being treated well. And that includes self-neglect. We get into the homes. I'm very opportunistic, if you will. I want to I make sure that we're, we're changing lives. 
And they always pivot to what is important in the moment, right? They listen to communities to try and figure out what they need. And when COVID hit Chicago hard, Deborah and the Sinai Community Institute stepped in. We asked folks, how is this affecting your lives? What I did was then form uh, in partnership with the community is we had a COVID task force that was hyper-focused on one community that brought stakeholders together to talk about the data every every week, but also talk about what was needed. So it's really about listening and asking questions. And I always say, how does this impact your life? And what do you think? Not what, not what, what Deborah thinks, it's what do you think would be the best thing to be done to ad- address whatever that issue would be. Now, obviously, community change takes more than just Deborah. It takes more than her team takes more than dozens and dozens of programs, as impactful as they are. And clearly, many Chicago communities, including the one that Sinai serves, continues to face huge issues, right? Let's just be honest about it. And I asked her if that was like intimidating or if it was motivating to kind of move that giant mountain a little bit at a time. You know, it's like one drop at a time, you know, but you really want to do more. There's a point where where do you get the resources? Where do you get the manpower to do to do the work? I do see the flowers that grow in our neighborhood. I do see them. But then there are some weeds, and then we got to deal with those weeds. But I can't do it alone, and that's when I mobilize. That's why I always say I'm at the table with others who, where we have common concerns, common passion. When gathering a team, you can tell there's a type of person, a very specific type of person that Deborah likes to work with to help the Sinai Community Institute. And that's a person that can see the possibilities and and the positivity in our community is important because, you know, you open up the news and it's all the negative types of things. So you think that is that is the description of who the people are. And it is so not it is so not. And Deborah likes to use her own experience, her own lived experience, to try and inspire those around her in the community. Folks are surprised to see here. I'm a black woman who's been the president for SCI for thir- well for SCI for thirty years, right? And I and I say I was born right across from uh, Douglas Park. You know, my parents had this similar struggle. It's just about what, you know, choices that are being made and resources that one needs. And anyone that has worked as hard and as long as Deborah has for her community, for the common good, I think she deserves a nice long retirement. But as for Deborah, I love what I do. And people keep asking, when are you going to retire? And I, you know, I, I started out, I said, I'm a preacher's kid. So I let God kind of direct me on what steps I, or like I say, order my steps. I can't sit at home. I cannot do that. If you or someone you know could benefit from the many services of the Sinai Community Institute, just got to head to Sinai, that's S-I-N-A-I, Chicago.org. Hey, Block Club Chicago's on the radio. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday mornings on the Bob's Rock Morning Show on WGN. Here's a recent appearance from co-founder Seamus Toomey. Extremely local news now from Block Club Chicago and uh, Seamus Toomey. And 16-inch softball is a Chicago tradition. It's also been a Grant Park tradition every summer for a long time. And it may be ending. Seamus, say it ain't so. What's going on? 
Bob, I knew this was a story you were not going to like. Um, <laughs> you know, we've uh, there's been a lot of talk about all of the events that have been moving into Grant Park, um, most notably NASCAR. Um, this is the first year NASCAR is going to take over the park in uh, in the first couple days of July. There's Lollapalooza. There's a new music festival and. Basically, it's squeezing out the 16-inch softball leagues. They are all uh, horrified to find out in the last couple of weeks. Um, the, uh, we talked to the folks from the Architect Engineers 16-inch softball league. I don't know if you, uh, I don't know if you hit for them or not, Bob. But um, <laughs> I was but, only good enough for the media league. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Um, yeah, and they said, uh, you know, they got a letter from the park district, basically saying, well, the only clean month we have available is April, and we all know hmm. what April's like <laughs> in yeah. Grant Park. Park. Um, and then they've got a couple extra weekends sprinkled here and there, but uh, they really, you know, they just said it looks almost impossible to run a consistent softball league down at Grant Park this spring and summer, which really just caught these, uh, a lot of these leagues off guard. They've been, like you said, um, some of them have been there since the 40s. Uh, they've been playing 16-inch softball in Grant Park since at least 80 years or so. So it's, uh, it's you know, it's sort of the reality of when people say NASCAR is coming in, it's going to shut down the park for two weeks. Well, what, is, what does that mean? It means just some of the people that are used to using it for, for other reasons um, mm -hmm. are, are really starting to get squeezed out. But it would be back next year. It would be back in 2024, wouldn't it? Right. I mean, I think, you know, NASCAR isn't necessarily going to be a recurring thing, but um, the park district is more and more uh, prone to, to open up the park for, for these bigger events where more people can use it. But, uh, yes, mm -hmm. so, so we will see. Um, you know, the, some of these leagues now are switching over to Union Park, which is uh, just uh, on the near west side, but that's a much smaller park. And as this, uh, the guy from the Engineers League said, hey, everyone's trying to go to that park now. So we're all sort of uh, hustling to to book time, but yes, uh, this summer mm -hmm. is is going to be uh, it's going to be sporadic there, and then w remains to be seen what what get book what gets booked at Grand Park next summer. Uh, good news on the west side for this big sixty eight million dollar project. Tell us about this. Right, uh, they broke ground uh, just this week on a on a huge project, and you know one of the more notable things. This is in the North Lawndale neighborhood. This is on the site where the uh, Silver Shovel uh, FBI investigation uh, was really centered. Um, if you recall, back in the uh, '90s. Uh, the uh, feds allowed uh, people to dump illegally there, and they snared uh, six aldermen for taking bribes for allowing people just to dump construction debris and all kinds of debris. It created this giant mountain that they called Mount Henry. Um, this is at the, in the 4300 block of West Roosevelt, and it it snared a lot of uh, of aldermen who were taking you know a couple hundred bucks or a thousand bucks to allow this, but it really left behind just a, a toxic dump. Um, it took years to clean it up but it has been completely remediated. They're building a project there that's going to build a, a public park. There's going to be job training centers. There's going to be a couple warehouses, lots of jobs, a solar farm. So they're really trying to like reactivate this, this old used, uh, you know, uh, brown site basically that was just a, a dump on the west side so so good news for that neighborhood they had to watch this for years and years and years and they're getting a little bit of payoff now that they're 
you know, the park is going to probably be one of the biggest used things out there, but lots of jobs. More at BlockClubChicago.org, including the story of the world's oldest Benedictine nun, Westridge's sister Vivian, who died at 109. And if it's not posted yet, Seamus, please uh, do a little digging and see if you can find out her diet and exercise secret. Okay, I want to read about that. 109. <laughs> she had a good. She had a good run. I will. I, I will find out, and we can post it. Sister Vivian's diet. Please <laughs> have a good day. Thank you. That's 7.20 a.m. on your a.m. dial or at WGNRadio.com. Again, every Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday morning. Hey, we're on TV, too. I think you know about it. It's our On the Block show featuring reporters and plenty more. We got an It's All Good TV segment, too. It airs on The U. That's Thursdays at 7 p.m. And on CW26 Chicago on Saturdays at 10 a.m. and Sundays at 6.30 p.m. That's a lot to keep in your head. So to go to the find the channel and the, the listings again, go to CW26Chicago.com. And if you're a cord cutter and you're like, I don't have cable. Well, guess what? We're over the air. If you have a digital antenna, you can get us for free. Channels 26.1 and 26.2. We also have another podcast we launched last month. It's called The Ballot. It's all things Chicago elections. We're getting you ready for the election next week and the runoff, which will be in April. So please rate, review, and subscribe to that podcast. And if you haven't done it for It's All Good, you can do that for this one, too. And that'll do it for this episode, episode 73. Wow. Till next time, I'm John Hanson, and we'll drop another pod on you next week.